Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Uh, for you and your son, or multiple sons, if you if you want to bring them, all if you if you have the have more than one, we'd love for you to be a part of that. Uh, you heard about the serve team rally. We're excited about that coming up on August the twenty eighth. And then one last thing that I want to do before we jump into the message is uh, this week, all of our, our students, I believe all of the teachers and a lot of people have already gone back to school and already getting things ready and prepared, but all of the students are jumping in uh, pretty much, I think, in every school this week. Uh, everybody will be back in school by the end of the week. So if you are a, if you're a teacher or a faculty worker, you work in a school in any capacity, will you stand right where you're at? We want to give you something. We want to honor you. We want to pray over you. Come on, can we put our hands together? Come on, is anybody thankful? Isn't that awesome? They're going to come around. Stay standing for just a moment. I know this, I know this may seem awkward because everybody's looking at you, but stay standing for just a moment. We want to give you a, just a small little gift. And, uh, and then I'm going to pray over you, and I want our church family to pray over you because we are just believing that this is going to be the best school year yet and that God's going to get all the glory and that the students are going to be behaved. Come on, somebody. And uh, they're going to learn a lot. They're going to do everything you say to do, and uh, they're going to do it without complaining. We're going we're gonna to claim that verse over them in the name of Jesus. No. <laughs> Um, hey, let's, if you, if there's somebody around you, just, just look at somebody, stretch your hand out toward one of these teachers or faculty workers, and let's pray over them as uh, we kick into this week, and they're going back into school. So Lord, we thank you today for every person uh, that's standing, every person that invests in, in our kids and our students, and Lord, they teach them, or maybe they make meals, or, or they're doing what, in whatever capacity, God, they have a hand in what's going on in the school system, and so we thank you for them. Lord, we believe that you've placed them there for a specific purpose during a, spe- a specific time, and we thank you for it. We believe that this is going to be the best school year they've ever had, and we declare it in Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody said amen. amen and amen. All right, come on, you guys can be seated. We just want to honor you. We know that that's a, uh, that's a, that's a tall order. Uh, to be a school teacher or to work in the school system and, um, and invest. I believe it's a calling, and uh, you have the opportunity to invest in uh, more ways than most people into kids' lives and, and how you see them every single day. So uh, I want to share with you today, this is a message. It was probably about a month, month and a half ago that, that the Lord put this on my heart. And a lot of times I'll make notes about things, and then I'll just ask the Lord, when do you, wanna, you, know, when do you want me to speak on this? And so I was... You know, over the last several weeks, making notes and felt like this was the direction for today. Uh, a couple weeks ago, when we got back from vacation, from our time away, and uh, I was thinking this past week about all of the things that I don't have that I wish I had. Anybody ever done that before? You ever just been sitting somewhere and you started thinking about all the things that you wish you had, but that you knew you didn't have, and then uh, in the midst of that, then you started thinking about the person that you know that has the thing that you wish you had, that you don't have, but you wish you had it, right? And then you started getting upset and frustrated in your mind at the person that has the thing that you want, that they have, but you wish you had and you don't have. Come on, are you following me? Anybody ever just gone down this, this rabbit trail like I do sometimes, and you start thinking about all the things that, well, if I had this, if I could only have this, well, I, I'm just not... I'm just not as blessed as that person. I'm not as good as that person. And so it's our natural tendency a lot of times to think that we don't have enough 
or to think that we don't have everything that we need. Right? You get in situations, you're going through life, you're living life, you're, you're married, you have kids, you know, you have expenses and all these things. And it's easy, it's our natural tendency a lot of times to start thinking about all the things that we don't have that we wish we had. And if we had it, our life would be better and it, things would be easier. And so we go down these trails thinking about these things. Well, I want to look at a couple of different stories in the Bible uh, that involve Jesus and an example that he set. And I want to talk about this this morning because I believe this is a... This is something that's going to help you. It's going to be very practical, and I think it's going to help you as we look at what Jesus did, some of the things that Jesus did, and what we can pull out of this. So we're going to start in Mark 6, and then we're going to jump over to Mark chapter 8 in just a moment. But Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 30, this is probably um, in your Bible, would be under the heading of the feeding of the 5,000. Okay, the feeding of the 5,000. Now let's, let's look at this. This is what it says. It says, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his, and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. Come on, what would it look like to be in ministry and be so just in sharing the gospel and ministering to people that it's like you look up and it's like, ah, we haven't even had time to eat. That's the situation here, right? They're on this ministry tour. They're ministering to people. They come back to Jesus. And Jesus is like, hey, let's get away for a little bit. Let's rest. Let's, let's get in this boat and let's go to a quiet place so we can rest because we haven't even had time to eat. And so they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Come on, for some of you, this is your kids. You try to leave the house and they're like, they, they spot you leaving, right? And they beat you to the vehicle. You came back in for something and they're at the vehicle like, I want to go with you. It's like, you can't. You can't go with me right now, all right? And Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass, so they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed that day. And most theologians believe that if you were to add up the entire family, it was probably somewhere around fifteen to 20,000 people that were just fed by this little amount. Uh, if, you, if you flip over to Mark chapter 8, uh, I want to read the first nine verses. And this is what it says. At about this time, another large crowd had gathered. And the people ran out of food again. Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with me for three days and they have nothing left to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will faint along the way, for some of them have come a long distance. His disciples replied, how are we supposed to find enough food to feed them out here in the wilderness? Jesus asked, how much bread do you have? Seven loaves, they replied. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves, thanked God for them, and broke them into pieces. He gave them to his disciples who distributed the bread to the crowd. A, small, a few small fish were found, too. So Jesus also blessed these and told the, the disciples to distribute them. 
They ate as much as they wanted. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. There were about 4,000 men in the crowd that day, and Jesus sent them home after they had eaten. Um, there's an interesting uh, fact about the feeding of the 5,000. The feeding of the 5,000 is one of the few things that are in all four of the Gospels that you can read it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And I love, as I was reading it in all four Gospels, in Luke's account of this, this is in Luke chapter 9, we're not going to read it all for the sake of time, but you can read it on your own time, uh, where, where we see the feeding of the 5,000, that this statement was made by the disciples. So Jesus is, is saying, hey, you feed these people. Right? They're saying, hey, we need to send these people away so they can go find some food. And he says, you feed these people. And this is the statement we see as Luke records it. The disciples had this to say. But we only have. But we only have. Jesus said, you feed them. The disciples' response was like many of our responses would be. But we only have. Fill in the blank. But we only have. A little bit of bread and a little bit of, but we only have this job. Well, I only have this level of education. But I, but Jesus, I only have this much money. But God, I, I only have this small talent that really can't make a difference and really doesn't do anything like what everybody else does with the talents that they have. But I only have. How many times in your life and in my life have we made the statement to God, but I only have. And God says, this is what I'm calling you to do, but I only have this. I only have that. And I wonder how many dreams and purposes have died with a but I only have. How many dreams and purposes in your life and things God has called you to do have died because you made this statement, but I only have. And what I have found in my life, and it's probably true in your life, is that what usually follows, but I only have, is disobedience. Because I only have this much money. Because I only have this little talent that really doesn't seem like it's a lot. But I only have this sphere of influence, so how can I... How can I do what you're telling me to do? And most of the time, when we make the statement, but I only have, it usually follows with an action of disobedience. We don't do what God wants us to do because we only have. And I love that Luke records this, that when Jesus made this statement, that the disciples said, but we only have this much food. How are we going to feed Fifteen to 20,000 people with it. This is all we have. And these type of statements remind me of what Moses said when he encountered God. You remember this instance? If you go back and you look at Exodus, I think it's in Exodus chapter 3 maybe. And the burning bush and God's speaking to Moses. And what does Moses do? He starts saying things like, what if they won't believe me? Well, what if they won't listen? Well, what if they say blank? But I don't have what it takes. But I don't have what I need. Well, I'm not good with speaking, and what you're telling me to do is to go speak to people. And Moses starts giving one thing after another thing after another thing that I would interpret as, but I only have, you want me to do what? But I only, I only have this. I'm not even good at that. That's not even a talent that you gave me. And here's how God responded 
to Moses, if you go back and read the story, he makes this statement, he says, what is that in your hand? Moses has been going through everything that he can't do well, and every excuse, and he's like, hey, find somebody else to do what you're trying to get me to do, because I only have, I, I only have this, I can only do this. Do you not know what, do you not know what I, what I did before? This is, this is all I have. And God says to Moses, what, what do you have? And we know if you go back and read the story that it's talking about this staff that's in his hand. And it was the thing that was in his hand that God would then use to do all of the signs that he wanted to do to set his people free. But it wasn't about Moses focusing on what he didn't have. It was God saying, no, I can use what you do have to do what I'm telling you to do. If you'll just learn to do some things with what you do have. But it is our natural tendency to think about and focus on the things that we do not have. Well, if I only had enough money, I could do something. If I only had more influence, if I only had a different job, if I only lived in a different situation, if I could only get, come on somebody, if I could only get out of Paris, then I could do what God wants me to do. If I could only... And how many dreams and purposes have died because of your if only, but I only have, and God's saying, I know what you have. I know exactly what you have. Why are you so focused on the things that you don't have? And going back to the two stories we read a moment ago, I love Jesus' response in both instances. The disciples' mindset is, we don't have enough. And Jesus' response is this, what do you have? So I want to talk to you for a few moments today on this topic. What do you have? What do you have? And not only what do you have, but what are you doing with what you have? What do you have? I want to pray for us. God, we thank you today so much for your word. Lord, I pray that you would speak to every person individually like only you can. God, as we talk on this subject of what do you have, I believe that you're calling greater out of us today in Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody said, amen. It's easy to be laser focused on what you don't have. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough patience. I don't have a sound mind. I, I don't have the ability to do that. I don't have the resources to do that, but I only have. But today I want to, to, to ask you some questions. What does God want us to do with the time that we do have? What does God want us to do with the finances that we do have? What does God want us to do with the talent and with the faith and with the resources that we do have? Here's the first thing I see. If we're going to learn from Jesus and Jesus taking something that did not look like enough and it became enough and it was the very thing that God wanted to use to do what he was wanting to do in that moment. Here's the first thing I think we have to learn. Give thanks for what you have. We have to give thanks for what we have. How many times in the Bible... Are we instructed to give thanks or be thankful? Give thanks or be thankful. Give thanks. Be thankful. Have a grateful heart. Be thankful. Give thanks. Have a grateful heart. Over and over and over again, we are reminded in Scripture that we are called to be thankful. We have to give thanks for what we have. When the disciples brought what they had to Jesus, what did Jesus do? He took it and he thanked God for it. To which most of us would stand around and we would say, like, what is he doing? <laughs> like, we might get feed the front row, and that's it. You know, like, and he's over, and he's making a scene. Like, we gave this to him, and he's over, like, I like to picture Jesus like this, if you can go with me here for just a moment. I like to picture Jesus like how they do sometimes in the movies. It's like Jesus takes it, and he's like, 
you know, like that Simba moment in The Lion King where they like raise up, you know, they raise up Simba. And Jesus is like giving thanks. I don't know if he did that or not. But he looked up toward heaven and he gave thanks for what they did have. He gave thanks for what they did have. Um, when was the last time that you spent time just thanking God? When was the last time that you thanked God for the marriage that you do have? Or you thanked God for the kids that you do have? Or you thanked God for the job that you do have? Or you thanked God for the house that you do have? Because it's easy for us to see everybody else and see what we don't have and see what we wish we had. And, and it steals our thankfulness for what we do have. When was the last time you just thanked God for what you have? What if we changed our words from complaining about what we have or complaining about what we don't have to thanking God for what we do have? And here's what I know, what I believe a thankful heart does. What does a thankful heart do? Thankfulness changes you. Thankfulness changes your attitude. Thankfulness changes your perspective. Thankfulness changes your outlook on situations. I dare you for the next 30 days to thank God for something every single day and come back to me in 30 days and tell me it has not changed you. Thankfulness will change you. Some of us, all we need to do today is we need to walk out today and we need to start writing down and thanking God for something every day. And it would change our attitude, it would change our mindset, it would change our perspective, it would change the way we see the world, it would change the way we see our spouse, it would change the way we see our kids, it would change the way we see God. Because now we're thankful, we have an attitude of thankfulness, we have a thankful heart, we've got to give thanks for what we do have. Look at what Paul said about thankfulness. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, he says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus. You know, one of the things, every time I read this, it sticks out to me, this fact that thankfulness is God's will for your life as a Christian. Paul says, be thankful in all circumstances for what? This is God's will for you who belong to Christ. What is God's will for you? You want to know what God's will for you is? You can go through the Bible and you can read several different instances where it says, this is the will of God for those who are in Christ Jesus. And one of those is that you would be thankful in every circumstance. That no matter what your life looks like, no matter what you're facing, no matter what looks like it's not enough, or if you feel like you have more than enough, that you would be a person that is always thankful. Psalm 116, 17, I love what David says. He says, I will offer you a sacrifice. Somebody say sacrifice. I will offer you a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of of the Lord. David said, I'm offering a sacrifice of thanksgiving. What is a sacrifice of thanksgiving? Anybody ever felt like to be thankful? It was a sacrifice. I mean, like, I'm having to pull it out. It's like you're trying to write down things you're grateful for every day, and you're like, whoo, I got to take about seven minutes to find the thing that I can be thankful about right now, because everything in my life seems like it's falling apart, or it's going, you know, like, I, I don't know what's going on around me. And David said, I'm going to offer you a sacrifice of thankfulness. What does a sacrifice of thanksgiving look like? I think it could be continuing to thank God in difficulty. When was the last time you were in a difficult situation and you said, thank you, Lord? Thank you, Lord, that you're teaching me something, that you're, cre you're like perseverance and endurance and character. You're developing something in me because I'm walking through this right now. I have a thankful heart. I think it's continuing to thank God when it doesn't look like you have enough. It could be thanking God as you walk through a trial, right? You're in the middle of something. You're walking through it. Come on, I didn't say you're sitting down in it. You're walking through it. And as you're walking through it and God's walking with you through it, you're thanking God along the way. You're thanking God for what you have even when you wish you had more. Or 
you're thanking God even when you don't feel like thanking God. I think a sacrifice of thanksgiving could look like thanking God in advance for what you do have, knowing that he's the one who's able to make it more than enough for whatever you need it to be. Isn't that what Jesus did? He took the little bit that they did have. He asked the disciples, he says, what do we have? And he takes what they do have. And he gives thanks to God in advance, before any miracle, before it's enough, because he knows, I'm going to give thanks, and I know that my Heavenly Father can turn this into more than enough. So in advance, before I ever even see it, I'm going to give thanks. That's what Jesus did. It's the example that he set. Really quickly, I want to give you just a few ways, practical ways, that I think we can practice thankfulness in our lives, and I think these will be helpful for you. Here's the first thing. Thank God for everything in your life. Thank God for everything in your life. If it's happening to you, God can use it. If you're walking through it, God can use it. Thank Him in advance for turning your situation around. Thank Him in advance for what you do have, knowing that what you do have, even though it doesn't look like enough, can be turned into enough because of your thankful heart and God getting His hands on it. Give give thanks, be thankful for everything in your life. Here's the second thing. Don't allow yourself to complain. Woo. Don't allow yourself to complain. What you say is powerful. What you say is powerful. I would even submit to you that you may be living in what you said three years ago. And because of what you spoke over your situation and what you spoke over your life and what you spoke over your marriage and what you spoke over your kids, now it has come to pass and you are living in and you see it as, I knew this was going to happen, God sees it as you spoke it. You spoke it. Like what you say really does matter. I love the story in the Bible where Jesus is walking with the disciples and they come up on the fig tree and it's not bearing fruit. And he curses it, and they come back by later, and they're like, what? Like, we heard what he said, and this thing just, like, dried up. Like, he just spoke the word, and it happened. Like, our, the things that we say are powerful. They really do matter. Complaining doesn't change the situation or what you feel like you don't have, but complaining can change you in a negative way. In Philippians 2, I mentioned it earlier, Philippians 2, you can go read it. It teaches us not to complain, to do everything without complaining. Because complaining doesn't fix anything, complaining doesn't progress us, complaining doesn't give thanks to God, complaining, complaining doesn't do anything that we want it to do. So we have to keep ourselves from complaining. And then here's the last thing I think that we can do to practice thankfulness is don't compare. Whew, stop comparing. Stop looking at what they drive and what you drive and, well, if I only had that, bless God. If I only had that house. If I only had what, if I only had, like, if I only had those kids. <laughs> Some of y'all looking at other people like, if I only had those kids. And it's like, you don't know those kids. <laughs> you don't know that those kids just got threatened right before they came into church. That if they did anything wrong, it's going to be the end of it for them, right? And that's why they're being so well behaved. <laughs> Come on, comparison, listen, comparison will kill thankfulness every time. You'll be sitting there, you've been, you've been sitting in a moment, and you're just like, God, I'm just so thankful that you've given, like, I'm so thankful for what, you, what I, you're looking out on your back porch, like, I'm so thankful, and you get on Instagram, 
you start scrolling and somebody took a picture of what their backyard looks like. And all of a sudden you're like, I was thankful. <laughs> I saw what you're doing over there, God. And I don't know why you're not doing that over here. Right? Comparison will kill thankfulness every time. I don't think we can, we can give thanks for what we have and compare with other people at the same time. Comparison, it leaves us wishing our life was different. And when we begin to thank God for what we have rather than comparing ourselves with others, it opens the door for God's blessing. So let's be people who give thanks for what we have. If we're, if we're not thankful for what we have, then we won't have the perspective to do the next thing I want to talk to you about, which is bless what you have. Bless what you have. What would it look like for you to give thanks for what you have and begin to bless what you do have? Instead of comparing, instead of talking negatively about the things that you don't have, that you wish you had, or this is all I have, or those but I only have moments, what if we just began to bless what we have? Bless what you have. When God created you, he factored in everything that he, he knew you would need. The Bible would tell us that he had a purpose set out for you before you were ever even born, and he factored in everything that he knew you would need to accomplish his will for your life. Your talents, finances, personality, career, spouse, temperament, all of these things. Look at Psalm 139. We all are familiar with this verse, I'm sure. But it says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I love the fact that David says, I know it full well that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. My question for you would be, do you know it full well? Because many of us live our lives as if we don't know it. And we're not blessing what we have because... We haven't come to the realization that God created me, and he didn't mess up. And he factored everything in whenever he created me, and he created my purpose, and I'm called to walk in that. It means that God did not mess up on us. I love Proverbs 18.21. I kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier, but the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Like, what, what you say has the potential to be what you're living in tomorrow. You're, there's death and life in the power of what you say. Death and life over other people, death and life over your marriage, death and life over your career, death and life over your financial situation. Death and life is in the power of what you say. And too many times we are killing the thing in our life that God wants to bless and use to take us to where he wants us to be because we won't bless it and we won't speak life over it because it doesn't look like enough, but I only have. God says, I know exactly what you have. I know exactly what you have. And you need to bless what you have. Some of us, I think we wake up sometimes and the purpose and the things that God wants to use in our lives, we, we kill it by saying things like, well, I hate my life and everyone else gets blessed except for me. I'll never be able to do what they do. I don't have enough. I'll never do anything significant. And the list could go on and on about the things that we're, Really, we're speaking death over multiple parts of our life. And we need to be speaking life. We need to be blessing what we have. And in Mark 6.41, we read it earlier, we see that Jesus took what he had. They brought it to him. He said, bring it to me. And it says that he blessed it. And the word there, if you look up the original language, the Greek word, it literally means to speak well of. When was the last time you spoke well of what you had? 
the disciples are like, this is not enough. And why is he speaking, like he's speaking good things. He's blessing. What we know is not enough. He had a different perspective. And we have to learn to begin to bless. Come on, what would it look like this week for you to start blessing what you do have? Bless the car that you do have that you have to jumpstart every three days. Come on, somebody. Start blessing your marriage. Start blessing your kids, speaking well of your life, speaking well of your career, speaking well of what you know. It's like, man, I know I'm not seeing it yet, but I'm going to speak well of what I know God's going to do. I'm believing that God's going to do something significant, and so I'm going to bless what he's given me. I'm going to bless what's in my hand, and I'm going to give it to God let him use it. God desires to take what you have and do something amazing in and through your life with it, but we have to speak well of it. We have to bless what we have. What would it look like instead of cursing the $300 you have in the bank that you would bless it? Instead of cursing the home you live in that you would bless it? Instead of cursing your marriage or your kids or your family situation that you began to bless it? Or you began to bless the singing ability God gave you or the analytical mind he gave you or the speaking ability or your personality, your finances, whatever it is, bless what you do have. Stop and take inventory and say, this is what I have right now and I'm gonna give thanks to God for it. I'm gonna bless it. I'm gonna speak well of it knowing that God is the one who's able to make this enough. So we need to give thanks for what we have. We need to bless what we have. And we also, here's point number three, we need to use what we have. Use what you have. And this may seem simple, but God has given you what you have for you to use it. You go back and you read the, the parable of the talents. It says the master, he gave some to this one and some to this one and some to this one. And did you notice it was all different? It was all different. They all had different amounts. Different amounts. I encourage you to go back and read the story and and two of them did well with it, and they used what they had. They used what they had been given. One of them said, I knew this about you, and I knew you to be a hard man, and so I was afraid. I was scared I was going to lose it. I didn't really think it was enough. You know, maybe I was looking at the one who had the five, and I was wishing that I had five. And because I didn't have five, I thought, well, I'm just going to save the one that I have. I'm going to sit on it. And he comes back, and he's like, that's not what I, that's not what I told you to do with what I gave you. I want you to use what you have. Use what you use the gift. Use the talent. Use your personality to further the kingdom. Use use the situation that maybe you're walking through right now that this is what I have in my life right now and it's not what I want it to be, but I'm going to I can use it. I can give it to God and say, God, what do you what do you want me to do in this moment in this time? This may not be what I want. This may not be what I expected, but I want to use what you've given me. And the Bible speaks a lot in multiple places about gifts and blessings that God has given us. And there's one specific instance. Here's what it says. Peter writes this. This is 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. And look at what he says. Use them well to serve one another. Use them well to serve one another. Use them well. This is, this is why we put so much emphasis as a church in all of us linking arms and serving together. Serving in kids' ministry, greeting people at the door, preparing cafe for people, serving on the worship team because we have that gift and talent, serving you know, in, in whatever capacity it is. It's because we're instructed that God, His Word has said God's given everybody something. Everybody has something they can use. 
We've just got to start being thankful for it, blessing it, saying, how can I use this? How can I use what I do have? And here's what I know about our God. When you begin to use, I believe this, when you begin to use what you do have and you're faithful with what you do have, then that's called good stewardship of what God has given you. And because of that, the Bible teaches that God will give more. Because he knows I can trust this person with what I give them. I can, oh, they want to use that gift that I've given them? Oh, I'll pour it out even more. I'll use them in ways that they can't even imagine. Because they're using what I've, what I've given them. Some of us just need to begin to use what you have. You got $5? Use what you have. What is God telling you to do with that $5? You know, you're, you're good with mechanical work. God's gifted you with that. How do you need to use it? What is he telling you to do? Because he, he's not telling you to sit on it. He's given you that gift or that talent or that ability or that resource so that you can use it for the kingdom of God. And I believe God will work through you when you just begin to use what he's given you. Use what you do have. I think for some of us in this room, there may be a talent that God has given you and you haven't really thought it could do much. But if you'll just begin to use it, if you'll just begin to be thankful and bless it and use it, God can do more than what you can even imagine. For some of you, I think that God may be calling you to do something. Sometimes, anybody ever uh, encountered, you know, something where God was calling you to do something uncomfortable? You know, and it's like, man, I know that beginning to use that, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be something. I think about some of you, you know, we've, we've talked about this several different times. And, and uh, like one of the areas in our church, we're talking about using our, our gifts or, or serving each other. One of the areas in our church we always talk about as the church continues to grow, our kids ministry continues to grow. And so we continue to need more and more people to serve in our kid ministry and love on those kids and teach them and worship with them and, and build this foundation in them. And for some of you, that's uncomfortable. But for some of you, God's calling you to do something uncomfortable. It's not always meant to be in our comfort zone. I can tell you what I'm standing here doing right now. If you if you like 15 years ago, if you told me I'd have been doing this, I'd have said, you crazy. But I just began to use what God had given me. And over time, you just keep being faithful. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. But you just use what God's given you to use. And I'm telling you, that's one area. I believe our kids are worth it, man. I've got four kids back there right now. They're worth it. They're worth the investment. And so for some of you, it's like something uncomfortable. For some of you, it may be, you know, uh, it could be, I think, about people that greet at the door, you know, and people that walk in and, and they've had a terrible week and that smile or somebody just asking them how they're doing and taking a moment to pray over them right there before they walk into the door. Man, that makes a difference in people's lives. And it's something that you have. You have the ability to do that. You have the ability to teach a child. You have the ability to go back there and hold a baby and just sing Jesus loves me over them while they're in your arms so that they're getting it in their heart and in their mind. Like, you have, you have some things that you can do. But we just have to begin to use what we have. Be thankful for it and start speaking well of it and blessing it and using it. God, how do you want me to use this? I've, I've got some ability. I've got breath in my lungs. I can do something for you. So show me what it is that you want me to do. And begin to use what you have. I was thinking this last week. 
man, I was sitting in my office and I was, I was studying and I was, you know, preparing and reading some different things. And just in a moment, I, I texted my wife and I said, man, I just feel like right now, like the Lord just told me to get up and get in my truck and drive and pray around the city. And so I got up and went out to my truck and drove right. Come on, aren't you glad we live in a, in a town that has a loop? You know, anytime the Lord's like, hey, drive around our city, I'm just like, I know where I'm going, you know, like Loop 286, that's where it's at. <laughs> Fifteen minutes, I can be all the way back around, you know. It's a big place. And I'm driving around, and as I'm driving around, just, just trying to be obedient. And I'm driving around, and the Lord starts bringing back to my mind dreams and visions that he's given me that I've neglected. Or that I've gotten too busy with other things that I've forgotten about that. And one of those things is I, I don't I don't believe that this is I don't believe that this is the end for our church. I think that God has so much more in store that you can't even wrap your mind around what God wants to do if we'll keep being faithful and obedient. If we'll keep using what we have, if we'll keep blessing what we have, if we'll keep being thankful for what we have. Come on, there's a lot of you in this room that you remember, you know, the five years of setting up and tearing down and getting to Heritage Hall at 6, 6.30 in the morning to start unloading a storage pod and then having two services and then tearing down and, and you're there from like 6, 6.30 to 2 p.m. You know, and like that'll make you thankful for a building. <laughs> you know, and we're, and we're praying about like, God, where do you want us to be? And then God, this building, you know, comes into our mind. I mean, we're going around, we're looking at different buildings, and we, we come across this building, and we set up a time, we come in and we look at it, and this thing was just like completely, I mean, it was completely empty. There was nothing really here. But we were like, okay, God, if this is what you have, then we ought to be faithful with what you have. So we bought it, and we started doing renovation. And last year on July 11th, I believe was the exact date, we moved in here. And just trying to use, use what we have. And I, so I'm driving around, and I'm praying, and, and the Lord reminded me of a vision that he had put in my heart that we would, that we would be here debt-free, completely debt-free, owe nothing on anything, and just be able to minister to people and love people and step into opportunity that he has so that when he opens a door we can just we can just walk in and say god if this is what you have we want to do that and i'm just telling you i really i don't i don't think this is the end i don't think this is all that god has i don't think we need to get comfortable i think we need to keep i think we need to keep moving forward and i think we need to keep asking the lord what is it that you're calling us to do and how do you want us to minister to people and and how like what does it look like for us to be effective and little did we know like the week before we move in here you know, we're doing some finishing touches on the building, and we're, you know, walking around, and a guy walks into the lobby, and I'm standing out in the lobby, and he says, hey, you know, you mind if I look around? He looks around for a minute, and he's like, man, y'all, this is going to be so awesome. Y'all are going to do, this is going to be so good for you guys, and I've never met this guy before, ever, and, and I'm standing out in the lobby, and he looks at me, and he says, you know, he said, we actually own this building that's right here beside the church and and we just felt like we were supposed to put this thing up for sale and before we put it up for sale we just wanted to come over here because i thought man it might be right here beside the church you might you guys might could use it and so he comes over and he's talking to me about this building and he says before we put it on the market we just want to know do you want it do you, do you want to buy it like we'll just between us no you know in between and all this other stuff and so you know i talked to the elders and we talked about it and we prayed about it for i mean 
just a little bit of time, and we came back, and we were like, man, I feel like God's all over that. Like, we just thought this was it, but God's providing even more. And then, you know, able to renovate this, and now we're officing out of over there and renovating, you know, another one of those suites over there to be able to do ministry in. And, and then, you know, and I don't know if you know this, but also what came with that was this entire lot that's back here behind the church. And so all of this grassy lot back here that people drive through all the time, all of this area over here is actually, that's our property. And we don't know exactly yet what it is that God's going to call us to do with that, but he didn't give us that for no reason. And I was thinking back this last week, and, and God was reminding me, he said, you remember that vision I put in your heart? And I was like, yeah, but whenever we were talking about that vision, it was just this building. And this is, this is the conversation I had with God, okay? This is how my mind works. When we were talking about that vision, it was just this building, which seemed doable. Then you gave us that and that, and that's just more. And I felt like the Lord was saying, do you not think that I knew you were going to get that and that as well? And I'm sitting there driving around the loop of Paris, Texas, and God's reminding me of this vision that he said, no, I, like, I, I put it in your heart that you would cast vision, that we would be debt-free, that we would be debt-free. And so what I felt like the Lord wanted me to do today as we're talking about using what we have is to invite you in once again to begin to pray and use what you have. And this is as simple as uh, we want to move as a church. We want to move at the speed of your generosity. We don't want to get ahead of God. We don't want to get in a hole. We don't want to do anything. We're just like, God, you just lead us and you bring the people and you bring the finances and you bring the resources and you bring the people to serve and you bring like you just... We're just going to pray for it. We're going to love people. We're going to do what you're going to be faithful and obedient. And you bring the people in. And, and uh, up to this point, it's been about um, on all of this property and the renovations and everything, we've been able, because of your generosity, been able to put about $500,000 toward all of this, toward paying it off, which is awesome. But I just want to let you know, and, and, and I believe that, I believe God can do it, man. I, I believe it with all my heart. I think it's time to dream again. I think it's time to have vision again. I think it's time to see what, what God may want to do in the future. And right now, we've been able to put about 500 toward this, but right now, on everything that we own, renovations, property, all of that stuff, we owe about 784. So we've been able to put about 500 toward it. And at the time when God gave me this vision, I was like, man, this building, yeah, we can do that. That's doable. That's doable. And then God blessed us with that and, and the property back here. And I felt like the Lord said, you've forgotten. You've forgotten what I told you I would do. And so I'm inviting our church to begin to pray. To just begin to pray. God, what, what are, are you asking me, are you calling me to do anything to see this vision come to reality? I know that's what we've been doing. We've been talking about it a lot here lately. Like, what can we do? to be faithful with what God has given us, to see this happen. Not so that we can stand here and say, we're debt free, we're debt free, and just announce it to everybody, but so that we can take more resources and minister to people. Do more for kids ministry. Do more for student ministry. Do more for outreach. Man, we just had Super Saturday this last Saturday, and 
we're standing out there, and there's several of, of you that were there to volunteer, and probably our best estimate was somewhere around five, 600 people come through there. I mean, it was just a little bit less than 350 backpacks that we were giving the kids, and the kids had to be present. And then their parents are there, and people are having conversations, and we've got inflatables. We're doing haircuts for kids. I mean, these are people that, that they're using what they have. People dropping off backpacks, like, hey, give, this is what I have. Can you give this away? I mean, our church, because of your generosity, being able to, to purchase the majority of those, and just say, hey, this is where, this is where some of your resource is going. Is we're going to love on people, and we're going to help those that need help. We're going to be there for those that need us to be there for them. And anyways, the Lord just was reminding me of all of these dreams and visions and things. And I know i got to hurry. I'm going to try to get you out of here pretty quick. But, man, he was stirring it in me. And so I'm inviting you to pray and ask the Lord. We did a thing. Um, it was toward the end of 2020, and we were talking about it. We did a thing called the Beyond Movement. It's still set up right now. You, I mean, we still have people right now that give every single month or weekly or whatever toward, um, toward being debt-free on all this property. They're already doing it. And I just felt like the Lord was saying, make it known. Make it known that this is what I have called your church to do. And let people link arms with you and see it happen. And I believe there will come a day when I will stand on this stage and I will tell you that this is what we're going to be able to do now. And I don't tell you because we're debt-free, and I don't tell you that because the church is struggling, because we're not struggling. We're doing fine. In fact, every single year, I'm blown away at how God progresses us every year. It's, it's amazing what God will do when we just trust Him. But I just want to invite you to pray. Lord, it, like, do you want me to have a part in this? Is there something you want me to do? There's something I have that you want me to use to minister to people or to, to accelerate vision for what God wants to do through our church. Like, what is, it, what is it the Lord's calling you to do specifically? Will you stand to your feet this morning? I want to end as the worship team comes back. I think maybe it's time to ask ourselves some questions like, are we using what we have to serve people and bless people and build the kingdom of God? And Man, I, one final thing I feel like is so important to point out in both of these stories that we read that I don't want us to miss. Because we can get to where we're giving thanks for what we have and we're blessing what we have and we're beginning to use what we have, but the miracle happened whenever what they had was given to Jesus. The miracle didn't happen when just they grabbed it. And Here's what Jesus said. He took what they had. He asked them, he said, what do we have? And they brought it to Jesus. And ultimately the miracle happened as Jesus began to give it back to them. And he gave it back to them and they gave a little bit more. And I picture it like this. I, I heard a pastor say it this way one time. He said, when did, when did the miracle happen? Like were the disciples, you know, like, they're going through the crowd, and they're like, okay, just take a little bit. We only have five of these. <laughs> uh, there's like 15,000 of you. It's like, can you share with your kid? <laughs> you know? 
and they're going through, they're doing this, and then they look down, and I'm, I'm just imagining, what happened? Like, did they, did they break some of it off and give it, and then by the time they looked down, it was back? Did they give everything out and go back to get another basket from Jesus? And they look around, they're like, okay, how do we have 20 now? What was it like to just be using what you have? And when you go back or you look down or however it happened, you're like, I don't know how, but this is enough. And not only is it enough, by the time everybody ate everything that they needed, they had 12 baskets in one and seven in the other. And if you were to study that, you know, I, I think that there's a possibility that even the seven baskets was even greater than the 12 because there were seven larger baskets. I mean, like there was more than enough that came out of what didn't even look like enough to begin with. What did Jesus do? He, he gave thanks for it. He blessed it. And he said, we're going to use this. And as they began to use it, it multiplied. I'm telling you, if we'll be a church that uses what we have, uses the talent that you have, uses the resource that you have to build the kingdom, there will always be enough. There will always be enough. And so I'm inviting you to just ask the Lord today. In fact, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes, and we're going to sing this song. I want to pray over you, but to just ask the Lord, what are, you, what are you speaking to me right now through this message? Am I in the place where I need to begin to be thankful or where I need to begin to speak well of what I have or that I need to begin to use what I have? Use the talent, use the resources, use the influence, use whatever it is that you've given me to build the kingdom to do what you're calling me to do just ask him Lord what do you want me to do what do you want me to get out of this what are you calling me to as the prayer team comes Lord I thank you today for your word we thank you for, for teaching us and guiding us and leading us Lord we thank you that every single person in here has something we all have some gift or some ability or some talent or something that's been given to us by you because your word says that we've all received something. And that we're called to use those things to serve each other well. So my prayer is that we would be people that use those things to serve each other well. And that we would see miracles happen, that we would see mind-blowing things happen that we would see exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask think or imagine because we are allowing your power at work in us to work through us and we are using the things that you have given us for kingdom purposes and so lord as we sing this song i even pray if there's anybody here today who needs prayer for anything in their life at all holy spirit that you would draw them for prayer in jesus name amen